You are listening to Boss Tone Radio, Talk for Guitar, presented by BossUS.com. Hello, this is Paul Hansen, the host of Boss Tone Radio. Welcome to the 34th edition. And in this edition, we have a really good bass player. His name is Robert Lewis, but everybody calls him Bubby. And he's played with a lot of big-time artists. You may have heard of Snoop Dogg. Well, Bubby has been Snoop's bass player for the last several years, but now Bubby plays with Lupe Fiasco, another hip-hop artist. Before we get Bubby on the phone, let's listen to some examples of him playing. This is him playing through the Boss GT10B, a box that he uses all the time on stages and in the studio. And you can see the video, the whole video of where these examples came from at BossUS.com. So here's Bubby. One of my favorite sounds is the simple fretless sound. Bass players love that warm ease into the note. You know what I'm saying? It's just really, it makes you want to play. That tone makes you want to play, you know what I'm saying? Hey, Bubby, great to talk to you. Do you live in Ontario, California? Uh, I used to live out in Ontario. I'm, I'm actually in Los Angeles now. Ah. Closer to the, to the work. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit of a commute out there. So let's go back in time. You grew up in Flint, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> There's, that's where cars are made. It's an interesting place. I'm proud of where I come from, but yeah. I definitely was uh, excited to, to move out here in Los Angeles. I've been to the Guitar Center in Flint. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Right when you walk in, the accessories counter's on, on the right. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. But, it's um, funny, because they, they built that like a few years before I left. Uh -huh. and before that, we, we used to always have to go to Detroit to like Mars Music. I, I'm sure you remember Mars Music. Oh, yeah. Huge stores. So, Bubby, did your dad work in the auto industry? No, he didn't. My father was actually a, a contractor, and he was a, a pastor of a church. Oh, and uh, you grew up playing in church. Oh, yeah. Still still to this day. I'm, I tour a lot, but when I can get to a church, i got to be there. Now, I read somewhere that you started playing bass at 14 years old? Yeah, I was just shy of turning 15, yep. By that time, you'd probably been singing in church, right? Yeah, <laughs> I used to sing in the choir, but I mean, that's, uh -huh. that's definitely not my forte. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm not like no Kim Burrell or Clark Sisters or nothing like that. <laughs> you know, I can I can just kind of hold a note. That's about it. <laughs> so um, yeah. when you're 14, I mean, what drew you to playing bass? Well, honestly, I wanted to start out playing the drum. You know, I come from a, a big church family. Everybody, all my cousins and uncles, I got pastors and family, all kind of preachers and stuff. And a lot of my family were musicians, actually. My cousins, 
my brother's sister. I mean, it's way down the line, man. Somebody played something. So I, I actually wanted to be like my sister Benita and play drums. She's an incredible drummer. She older than you? Yeah, yeah. I'm the youngest of five. It's my oldest brother, Jerry. We call him Kooby. He played bass, guitar, organ, drums. And then my brother, Billy, after him, then my sister, Benita, then my sister, Dee, then me. So I talked to Benita, and I said, I want to play drums, you know. And she told me, okay, well, go out and get this record. Listen to this person. Listen to this person. So she just started giving me all these names, and it came down to... You know, Virgil Zanotti, Buddy Rich, of course, and, and then Dave Weckl. That's just a few of the people. And so I went out to Borders Bookstore in Flint and got a Dave Weckl CD called Synergy. Synergy. I listened to that, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is sweet. And I just kept listening to it, and then I got to number seven on the record, which was the Synergy song. Uh-huh. And Tom Kennedy starts out playing bass on that with a solo. And when I heard that, it struck me like lightning, and I was like, okay, now I want to play bass. It's weird. You know, it's like, it's kind of meant to be, you know. I've watched you a little bit. Yeah, I can just see it's just such a natural thing for you. Uh, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) But, But really, it's years and massive hours of... Well, I use the term massive repetition. Well, I'm still in need of massive hours of practice. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, you know, I I did practice a lot, and then I I was fortunate enough to be around the great, great musicians. You know, being close to Detroit, you know, that's Motown City, so you're bound to find a hundred ridiculous bassists and guitar players. I mean, it's... It's incredible, you know, and then one of my best friends, uh, Eddie Brown, he's a ridiculous keyboard player. He's like the Incredible Hulk on keyboard. <laughs> like, he's ridiculous, and, wow. and I had to actually play with him in church. So he was a lot of the reason that pushed me to, you know, practice so much and, and then listen to all genres of music so I could absorb everything, you know. But I still have a, a lot of practicing that I will be doing the rest of my life because it's I'm like my worst critic. So, well, that's I think what makes a great musician is being never completely satisfied. Yeah. Would you say you're influenced by Stanley Clark or Abe Boreal Sr. or Victor I mean, Wooten? Jocko? Yeah, I mean I'm kind of influenced by everybody. You know, like uh-huh. I listen to you know, of course, a lot of. John Patitucci and oh, wow. a lot of incredible gospel bassists. You know, you got The Godfather, Andrew Goucher, I mean, Joe Smith. You got Nate Watts. Then I listen to a lot of Flea and, and Duff. And wow. I listen to everybody. The rock guys. Everybody. Getty Lee? Oh, yeah, of course. Getty <laughs> Lee, uh, Lee Sklar, everybody, man. You know, Charlie Hunter. <laughs> it wow. goes as far as guitar players. Big influences of mine was Alan Holdsworth from Frank and Bolly. Oh, wow. After watching you play, I noticed, you know, Frank and Bolly's interesting guy because he does all that sweet picking. And I I noticed that you do a lot of, well, on bass, you call it raking. Yeah, I I guess you could call it that. I mean, I don't honestly know what to call it. And and I wasn't necessarily intending to learn Uh that technique. It's just certain things I would hear that I would want to play. Uh-huh. It became easier to do if I just used my thumb. But I also noticed sometimes you would play 
on a higher string, but then maybe if you're playing one note on each string rather than, you know, multiple notes on each string, one note on each string, you would kind of sweep your finger up or multiple yeah. fingers to to get that kind of arpeggio, right? Yeah, it's really simple. Uh-huh. I just cuff all four of my fingers in my palm and then just take my thumb and, you know, just sweep down and sweep up or, you yeah. know, if I'm playing multiple notes on the string, just keep moving my thumb up and down. It's almost basically just if you're playing with a pick, use my thumb, you know? Would you say that over the years you practice a lot of hours a day? Or- oh, man. I, when I first started, first summer break, I probably was practicing 10 to 12 hours a day, and then I would take a break. And then there would be some days in the summer where I would wake up in the morning eat and then just sit down and practice and then before I know it, it'd be like two or three o'clock in the morning. Wow. A lot of playing requires just plain motor skills, which just re- requires repetition. And um, right. yeah, for you to play that fast on YouTube, you were demoing, it was about 120 beats <laughs> per minute, the loop that you were playing over. And I think you were playing like really clean, just perfect 16th note triplets. Oh, man. I don't know about perfect. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like, whoa. I, I don't know if I've ever heard that on a bass before. Man. Yeah. Something else I noticed about you, Bubby, is that um, you're really good at controlling the length of a note, whether it's making it either staccato or legato. Is this a conscious thing that you do? Honestly, man, I, I never really focused on how to do it i just like if i hear it i'll just try and play it the way i hear it you know uh-huh i never really used to practice theoretical stuff that's you know i didn't start even learning theory until uh, almost when i moved out here to california back in 2005 i was just young and energetic and just wanted to just play did you learn um like bass solos note for note nope i never used to do that i just and and not to say that that's wrong or anything, you know. I just always wanted to try and challenge myself to to be creative and, and come up with stuff on my own, you know. Like I playing with Eddie, I will say that's another thing I learned. He he's the one who taught me to. This is the keyboard player in Detroit. He lived in Flint. He grew up oh. with me, but he he's out here in uh, Los Angeles actually now. He's the one who basically taught me if I get a solo literally think every note and play it while I'm thinking it mm-hmm. versus actually learning like licks and then playing the licks late at a later time. He's the one who kind of taught me to just kind of challenge myself and do it right there at the time. From that, wow. I just kind of been going with that ever since, you know, and just try and come up with stuff right on the spot. And, and uh-huh. he also taught me how to hear chord changes fast you know that used to be like our shed we would go up to my dad's church uh-huh. uh, or, or either right after bible class we would stay up there till like you know three four five and six in the morning and he would just play chord changes real fast uh-huh. and it would force me to have to really train my ear to be at a jump you know what i'm saying so yeah. it, it, uh. it just kind of worked out like that and i'm super appreciative of that but it's it's a a lesson that you know, you're, you're always going to be learning, you know. You definitely play over changes. So that was from all those hours of doing it with Ed? Yeah, yeah pretty much. Uh-huh. Wow. 
A lot of a lot of stuff that dude taught me, and then my sister and brother and a uh-huh. whole bunch of other folks, you know. Okay, so in 2003, you met Andrew Gaucher. He's the music director for Chaka Khan, right? Yeah, he, he was the music director for Chaka Khan. He's, uh, who is he with now? I think he might be doing some stuff with Prince now. And you called him the godfather of oh, bass. Oh, yeah, that's the yeah. godfather of bass right there. <laughs> and you met Mike Tobias. This was at a NAMM show. Did you come out from Flint to the NAMM show? Yeah. Yeah, my sister, she she was able to give me a badge. Uh, she's with Zildjian and a couple other companies, uh, Vic Firth, and she asked me what I want to go, and I I didn't even know what it was. You know, I'm from like a little country town, you know, yeah. and you know how Flint is, and I had no idea what it was, and she had knew of it, you know, but the time came around, and she got some extra badges, and she said, you want to come, and I said... Yeah, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I'll come, and <laughs> it changed my life, man. Yeah. I mean, I was amazed at how huge everything was, you know. Yeah, it's a, the NAMM show is amazing. It's like, oh, man. It's like 5,000 guitar centers all put together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> nothing I had ever been used to, man. And I yeah. mean, every year, I've been going since every single year, and it's, it never gets old to me. So you ended up meeting Mike Tobias, mm-hmm. and um, at that point, did he see you play and go, wow, I, I well, want, yeah? The story's actually kind of funny, and, and if you ever talk to Andrew Gustet, he always tells everybody this story, and it, it always embarrasses me. <laughs> the way it happened was I was sitting down at another booth playing my bass, and I was, uh, what was I, 15 at the time, 16, something uh-huh. like that. I, could, I had been playing for like a year and a half, basically. So I'm playing, and it's two other guys I'm playing bass with. I, I was just sitting down just playing basses, you know, that's all I kept doing. Uh-huh. And so I had my eyes closed, and I we were just kind of jamming out. You know, I just had my eyes closed, and I opened them, and it was probably about, like, maybe, I don't know, seven or 800 people standing around. <laughs> and I and it scared the yeah. lights out of me, dude. I, it scared me, and I, I thought I'd done something wrong. So I'm looking... <laughs> You know, we're inside this glass booth, and I'm looking outside the window, and it's this big, huge black dude, this tall black dude standing out there Uh looking at me with his mouth open, and and I'm like, okay, what did I do? And the guys I'm jamming with, they're just kind of looking at me. But, you know, we're still playing. We finish jamming, and this dude looks at me in the window, and he points at me, and he gives me this look and says, you, come here, come with me. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, man, this is securities. I'm thinking I may have started playing a bass I wasn't supposed to play. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. So he says, what's your name? And I said, Bubba. He said, come with me. So he walks me down the hall and takes me to the MTD booth where Mike Tobias is. And he says, sit down. So I'm like, oh, crap. And he says, get that bass and play. Play this. And he said, Mike, listen to this. So he makes me play in front of Mike Tobias. And then... After that, Mike, <laughs> Mike gives me his card, and he says, you know, you sound incredible, this, this, that, and the other. And I'm just like, no, I am just started playing like a year and a half ago. And then finally I stand up, and he says, hi, I'm Andrew Goucher. Wow. My whole world just, I was like, oh, my God, this is the Andrew Goucher. This is crazy. <laughs> like, this dude 
I've been, you know, I, I sit up here and, and have to learn your songs for church on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Songs yeah. you played on. So yeah, it, it was it was definitely a, a crazy experience, man. Yeah. I'll never forget. So then, yeah, you go back to the hotel and your your mind is just swimming like, oh my gosh. Dude, <laughs> I, I, still when I think about it, man, it makes me laugh because yeah. it was so much at one time. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, like, yeah. yeah. The, the next few days, Every single day, everybody's just like, come play, come play. Where's the kid with the Superman shirt and all this kind of stuff? I wore the Superman shirt. I'm like a nerd, so. And, <laughs> and like, that's all it was, dude. It, it was it was crazy. Wow. Crazy. So, since then, you've kind of become, I mean, of course, you, you play in church, but you've also played with all these rappers, you know, um, yeah. all these, you know, really high-level rappers. And, of course, now you're playing with Snoop Dogg. Well, I was playing with Snoop. Now I play with Lupe Fiasco. Yeah, I played with Snoop for, like, uh, four years. Yeah, about four years. Uh-huh. I was actually playing with Lupe back in 2008 also. A friend of mine that was playing with him couldn't do the gig, so I had to fill in. So I would fill in with him whenever I wasn't on the road with Snoop. I would fill in for my buddy with Lupe. And then uh -huh. just last summer, I was fortunate to go out with Lupe in the beginning of the year to Australia and a whole bunch of other places. And it was like back and forth between him and Snoop. And then finally in the summer, I was able to start touring full time with Lupe. And you've been all over the world. I read that you even went to Lebanon with Snoop. Oh, yeah, uh, that Snoop. was nice. I can't imagine the people in Lebanon, they dig, like, um, hip-hop music? Oh, yeah. I mean, and you know, you got to consider Snoop is, yeah. he's probably the, the biggest household name in hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, yeah. Snoop Dogg. You know, when I lived in L.A. in the 90s, you know, I'm kind of a rock guy, and I wanted to figure out what all the hip-hop was about, so I set my radio station to Power 106. Oh, <laughs> Is, yeah. is Big Boy's Neighborhood still on in L.A.? Yeah, yeah, it sure is. I love that morning show, Big yeah. Boy's Neighborhood. They still do the phone tap in the morning? They do everything. And of course, they've changed <laughs> up certain stuff, but they still do like a lot of the older stuff. You know, Power 106, that's hilarious. Have you ever met Big Boy? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, in this industry, you meet everybody. You, you come from Flint, play for a couple of years, and uh, yeah, your career is just taken off. Are you are you thirty years old yet? Nope, twenty five. Wow, Bubby, that's it's so cool. You're my first gig when I just uh -huh. turned twenty one. Dang, that was with Snoop. My first, very first tour, I literally just turned twenty one and got my passport. And my first tour was Europe for three weeks. What kind of venues did you guys do? In your it was all huge festivals, like um, we've done Glastonbury. It was some big festival in Bratislava that we did, and, and I remember Rolling Stones were staying at our hotel. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and they were doing this arena, like, right down the freeway, and we were three hours out in this big field, and it was maybe like, man, I, I don't even know the number. It was just a sea of people. been a lot of festivals, especially going over to Europe. Festivals with big arenas or just huge fields, three, four, hundred thousand people. Oh my you gosh! Know, stuff like that. You know, I I've been to the L.A. Coliseum and watched the Raiders play, and uh, mm. that was when they were the L.A. Raiders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you just look around and you look at a hundred thousand people. I've done gigs, maybe like thirty thousand. 
mm-hmm. where they're all on a hill and then the people just they fade off. They're just just a sea that goes on and on and on. That must as far be as you can see. <laughs> it must <laughs> be amazingly wild. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a rush, you know. And, and I always tell people because people always ask me what is it like to play in front of like you know half million. The thing that's craziest about it, dude, is that let's say you're playing a song and then you break and all the instruments and everything stops. When you hear the crowd sing the song and everybody is singing it, wow! there's no nothing that's more crazier than that, dude, when wow. everybody knows that song and is singing it at one time. Hundreds of yeah, thousands. Man. I mean, and it's like you yeah. never overpower them either. All that voice, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's just it's ridiculous. Wow. Um, let's talk about gear. You play a Tobias bass. Yep. And uh, is this your own model that Tobias makes? All my MPD bases are all custom bases, mm-hmm. except for I, I have a few of the Korean-made, the cheaper models, which are pretty good. But MPD is one of those bases. It's like the Bugatti. You know what I'm saying? It's it's like you got to have at least one. You know, and then you got people that want the sound but necessarily can't afford the the bass so right. what they do is you just get the kingston model so i got three of those which are really nice do you take your really good bass out on the road or just keep that one safe oh i switch up on all of them i, I play all what is it 10 in my bases i think yeah i lost count so these are um six string bases Six, five, uh, I've got a seven-string piccolo bass. Wow. Bunch of sixes, couple fives. I've got an MPD jazz bass. It's a Saratoga. It's a five-string. I mean, it's. I take all of them, man. They, they're all killing. On your six-string bass, what's the low string? What note it's is a, It's a B. I tune to B. So you have B, E, A, D, G. And then C. And then C, so they're all in fourths. So you don't yep. have you don't have that stupid guitar thing where you you have a what a major third between two strings. Yeah, they're only, all fourths. Only bass I would tune like that sometimes is my piccolo bass. It's it's still a full body, full scale uh, bass, and I can put regular bass strings on it. But uh, Mike was able to make it to where I could put piccolo strings on it and, and it would work just the same, you know, so there's no crazy fret bud and I tuned that like a guitar. So I tuned it uh with the low B but then my, my high strings of course are a B and an E up at the top, you know. It's interesting that you said that you tune your six strings though mainly all in fourths. Yeah. Yeah, I never really thought about it but a four-string bass doesn't have that weird thing between the G and B strings like guitar players. No, in most four-string players, they tune E, A, D, G, you know? Right. Sometimes you got the guys that just do B, E, A, D, you know? Uh-huh. So you have a really fat string on the bottom? Oh, yeah. And do you use the low string a lot in hip-hop kind of stuff? Hip-hop and R&B are real similar in the sense that it's a lot of sub going on, so... Uh-huh. I'm definitely riding that B-string a lot. I saw a picture of you sitting on top of um, nine GK, are they four by (laughs) ten cabinets? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Was that your touring rig with Snoop? Yes, it was, and it still is my my rig. Uh, Whenever I'm able to actually fit it on the stage, I, I 
I have it. <laughs> Are all those nine four by ten cabinets plugged in? Yep. Oh my there god. <laughs> that must be some serious power. Oh man, like you, you just gotta try it, dude. Just just hit that B string and oh. stand in front of it. It's <laughs> I can't even explain to you what you feel. Well, you could probably use that in the special forces that you know at war. Oh man. <laughs> it, it can definitely be used as a weapon, I will say yeah. that. I saw pictures of you on David Letterman and um Ellen DeGeneres, you obviously don't obviously don't take the really big rigs on no. TV things. <laughs> the only stage I've ever been on where it fit was when we did a Carson Daly. Ah, we yeah. did the Carson Daly show, and they had all nine of my cabinets. Wow! But other than that, no stage can fit it as far as television goes. So, Bubby, I noticed you also use a Boss GT10B. Ah, yes. You know, someone else who I helped with that was Will Lee. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he uses one. I think he still uses it, at least. Yeah, he, he has one. Every time I uh, we do Letterman, I see him, and he's got one there on Letterman. Now, do you use it in manual mode, where each pedal is assigned to do an effect? I'm always using different sounds almost every show, because there's so many sounds in there, you know? Man, you so, can get yeah, any a sound. lot of times I'll just program it before the show of what, what sounds I, I might use, and then other times I may just scroll through that mug on stage sometimes when we break the song and just pick something, you know? Do you use the internal compressor and maybe EQ for, like, regular bass sounds? Or do you just scroll around and find a tone? I just kind of use the sounds that are in there, you know? It's rare that I will even tweak the tone or anything. I think there's at least 200 presets yeah. and 200 user sounds. There's definitely some awesome sounds in there. I noticed um, on a YouTube video where you were kind of teaching how to play, you had a solo kind of tone and you were also playing over a loop. I wonder, was that yeah. was that done with a looper pedal? That was all the GT-10B. Oh, yeah, GT-10B has a looper built in. It's got a looper built in, and uh, that sound that I was using is one of my favorites. It's called a sense fretless, so it's like yeah. a fretless underneath, but it's got like a piccolo tone on top. So yeah. It, it, you know, it really cuts through. I love that tone. Yeah, it sounded really melodic and real nice. There's an effect inside the GT10 that simulates a fretless. Yeah. And then the piccolo might be a synth type effect or maybe a harmonizer effect on top. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of blooms too. And yeah, yeah. And when you do that side-to-side -side vibrato, it sounds really cool. Yeah, it's, it's really great, man. I, I love I love that fretless tone in there, and then that, that synth fretless is just awesome, you know, especially for soloing. It's, it's a lot of great tones in there, man. Do you use it for recording also? All the time. Everything I do recording-wise, I always use it. Do you take, you do a direct signal and then also mic up uh, one of your 4x10 cabinets for... In the sometimes, studio? yeah. Actually, I, I do sometimes. If I'm not working at home, majority of the time I work at home. Uh -huh. Other than that, if I'm at a studio or something, yeah, I'll take, you know, or either I have a, also GK gave me this other little, uh, it's like a 112 cabinet that's, that's really, really sweet. And you can mic that up in the studio for a speaker kind of sound. Oh, yeah. 
I saw this list you played with Warren G, <laughs> Dog Pound, all kind of stuff. <laughs> Warzone, Western Union. Are those all sessions? Yeah, those are all Snoop affiliated artists. Of course, Dog Pound and them. I've I've played on like maybe five or six of their records within the last four years. I, I I've actually lost track, man. Yeah, a lot of that stuff. <laughs> Do you know, I remember hip-hop used to have more synth bass. Yeah. Do, do you feel like this is a trend, that getting a more human um, effect in hip-hop, having a, a real bass player? I've talked to a lot of people about that, and I honestly just think it's kind of going back to the 70s. I think that yeah. people are missing real live instruments. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, the, the 80s may have took away from that a little bit, Especially when it comes to hip hop and you know R and B and whatnot, mm-hmm. everything was just kind of programmed. But I think now everybody's just kind of yeah. seeing how cool it could be if you know you got live instruments and then real yeah. people that can really play the stuff. You know, it's one thing I always missed watching a hip hop artist was especially a drummer, a guy hitting something with a stick, you know, yeah. and a bass player, just that rhythm section. It's definitely something that has come back, uh-huh. and I, I'm glad to see that. You know, I'm 25, but I'm an old man at heart. You know, I love I love old school music. Back in the day, one of my favorite groups is the Dramatics. Dramatics. You know, yeah. so when you hear that kind of stuff, and, you know, you, you're like, man, that, that should be everybody doing that, you know? Yeah, and, and for funk... I'm definitely a Tower of Power and Earth, Wind, oh, and Fire. Man. All day long. Rocco Prestia, man. Rocco Prestia, yeah, the bass player for Tower of Power. You know, I just want to thank you so much, Bubby. I, you might be the youngest guy I've ever interviewed. Oh, really? Okay, so say hi to everybody in L.A. for me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and have an awesome day. Thanks so much. No problem. All right, talk to you later, Bubby. Yep, take it easy. Okay, bye. We at Boss want to wish Bubby the best with Lupe Fiasco. And thank you for using Boss Gear. You can find out anything you want about Boss Gear at BossUS.com. Paul Hansen saying, I'll see you later.